Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. I am your host, Herb Lawrence. For weeks now, we've had guests on our show from White Sox Day, Matt Zawaski. Last week, we had Patrick Nolan. When we planned on getting other guys on, and a lot of people have asked me, what happened to getting Chris Tannehill, the biggest Sox fan at the station, on the show? Guys, I got something better for you. What if I told you the whole time that Chris Tannehill was that co-host that I've been speaking of since October? So I now present to you Christopher Tannehill, the co-host of Locked on Socks. I know you guys have been waiting for this for a long time, but here he is in the flesh, right in his basement, too. That's where we're recording this at on his great setup here. Christopher Tannehill, oh. welcome, sir. Oh, thank you, Herb. What a, what an introduction. First of all, nobody's asked when you're going to get me on the podcast. Everybody has. <laughs> Everybody has. When they were like seeing other guests except for you, I thought that people had kind of got the clue that you're going to be the co-host, but no one really you know, got into, oh, yeah, Tanny's going to be the guy. So it's been a thing. And firstly, before... I get to the nuts and bolts of the White Sox offseason, like I ask every guest, even though you're not a guest, I don't really know your origin story. I know your father is a White Sox fan. Yes. So how did you, growing up on the north side in Rogers Park, become a Sox fan? Well, it's, you know, one of those things, like you said, my father was a Sox fan. His father was as well. But from what I understand, back in the day, um, you know, you're talking about, 50s and 60s, like a lot of people rooted for both, right? Cubs and Sox. Like, I, th- I don't know if that was commonplace, but that certainly was uh, with my grandfather. I think he leaned more towards Sox because they, they lived all over in the city, South Side, and then eventually winding up in Rogers Park. But from what I understand of it is back in during the 69 Cubs season, um, something happened where it, where Ron Sano ripped the ripped the guy for dropping a fly ball. I think it was Don Young, maybe. <laughs> and like he, my my grandpa didn't really care much for how like Ron Sano was like how he responded in that situation. So, so if, you know, it, it happens in fandom. One thing rubs you the wrong way, and all of a sudden you just kind of go a different direction after that. But yeah, I believe it was that. And the funny story is my grandfather. Um, he, you know tooled around in a little minor league ball before he he served in World War II. So he was a baseball player, and my dad was a baseball player. Uh, he played at Gordon Tech, um, played in the Catholic League uh, against guys like Charlie Liebrandt. And wow. Yeah, so, like, you know, they, they all had some stories. I remember, my you know, I took my dad to Minnesota, and he met Ed and DJ for the first time, and my dad and DJ were talking about what it was like to hit off Charlie Liebrand. Of course, DJ, I think, was like, easily. oh, I, I crushed him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, easily. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, and I remember going, We my grandfather uh, passed away in 05 right before the season started, um, so he didn't get to see a world championship. But, he's you know, I think about him all the time. But we went to one Sox game. Uh, the year that the new Comiskey opened up, and it was—it's a great memory that we have. It was—I think it was their first win in the new park uh, that game, and it's just—you know—when you're a Sox fan, um, you know, it's just—it's a generational thing, right? Like my dad, hardcore Sox fan, been going to games with him my whole life, and it's just one of those things that that's passed down to you. And I always liked it, you know, growing up in the '90s. 
um, you know, you're, you're trying to find your way, right? So it's, you know, you're, you're trying to be a little counterculture naturally, right? I was, of course. <laughs> so I got into hip hop when other kids around me weren't really into hip hop and that stuck with me, thank God. And, um, but White Sox fan was part of that too. I, I suppose I could have gone and rooted for the Cubs being mm-hmm. a North Sider because I certainly got, uh, you know, ridiculed a lot living in Rogers Park, which is, if you're not familiar with the layout of the city, it's about as far north as you can go in the city. Uh, so it's very North side and you know lots of cubs fans up there so it, it would have been easy but just you know it's it becomes a bonding thing with with your dad or my, with my dad and you know just you're going to games like you know 10 15 times a year and you're growing up and you're watching frank thomas enter his prime so Man. that that's pretty much where it starts and ends really i should have just said frank thomas but that really that's not great for content so but In the show. <laughs> yeah exactly so when you when you would you go to a new ballpark for the first time like i i've been to old comiskey but i don't really remember it as a kid but I definitely remember the first time uh, going to New Comiskey in 91. Did you go to the first game? Got we did. Murdered. They got pumped. They yeah. got pumped by the Tigers. So I think it was, uh, yeah, Rob Deere and the boys were, were doing, <laughs> doing work that day. Um, but you remember the first time going into the new building and seeing everything brand new. Like the price tag was still on the thing practically. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world, too, because that ballpark was so antiseptic. I, but I could imagine White Sox fans from – I never went to the old Comiskey Park. I've only heard about it. Coming from that place to the new place, like, wow, this is the spot. This is excellent. Yeah. Spent grand spanking new. Yeah. Looks great. I've heard a lot of people kind of wax poetic about the old Comiskey Park, like saying, you know, they call it the baseball palace of the world. But, you know, they they look at it, you know, with rose colored glasses a little bit and with, you know, some revisionist history. But a lot of people say it was it was about time. Like I, th- I heard people along the way over the years saying, oh, they should have just renovated it. But, uh, you know, it, the new park certainly has its problems. Like, you know, they're easily point out, like, you know, not facing the right direction. But Correct. I just found out recently, I think it was Rob Hart that had said it on Twitter shout out to Rob Hart uh, our intercom teammate he was saying how they were they they were adamant about having home plate at 35th and Shields so Ugh. that's <laughs> I know Jeez. I mean no foresight like, <laughs> I, yeah but again with with the, with the new Comiskey it was it was kind of like uh the, the mistake that they had with new Comiskey led them to make the great changes with Camden Yards and other uh retro parks that went up right after that so it was like you know so you're welcome uh, Baltimore for your beautiful retro style park or uh, Comiskey Park sort of like the last of like the new you know with no real warmth uh, involved ballpark so, um, but yeah, just I've been a Sox fan my whole life, never wavered, and my family actually has deeper roots than than my grandfather. Um, I, my great great uncle, I believe it's twice uh, twice removed, was uh, on the early 1900s White Sox. I'm talking even before. Uh, this is like hitless wonder White Sox, like before the 17 championship. Some, this is like some like champions in 06. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he was on the hitless wonders team. Lee Tannehill was his name, and he had a brother, uh, Jesse Tannehill, who pitched. Uh, he was he was an original Yankee mm. before the Yankees were the Yankees. They were called the Highlanders. So they were brothers. They were from Kentucky. So I, you know, I don't know much about my family's history, but they moved up from Kentucky and Alabama, places like that. And, you know, back in the day, if, you know, if you were either, you know, surfing in, in the military, going to war, or probably just playing baseball or both, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and then working a job in the off season. Exactly. So. If he, you're not at war. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes in both. Yeah. Um, but so he, uh, as legend has it, uh, he hit the first uh, Grand Slam in the old Comiskey Park. 
Um, so it's funny because I was doing a White Sox sporkle that uh, the, that they uh, tweet out over the weekends, and it was like starting White Sox third baseman uh, since like the beginning of 1900. So <laughs> so naturally I'm going backwards. Like you know I'm thinking okay who was I have a terrible memory. So I'm thinking okay Yoan okay I got that that's, <laughs> that's one right there. Okay Todd Frazier I remember that. And then you're like okay Joe Creedy and then you know you go down the line and then I'm like oh my god I forgot my great great uncle <laughs> <laughs> and he's on there like four or five years in a row in the early 1900s. So it's it's kind of crazy because uh, I've seen photos like there's really cool it's not they're not easy to get but you can buy like old uh photos like from getty images they have the rights to them like there's old photos you can purchase for like hundreds of dollars if you really want them um like there's a photo of uh of him there's a photo of his his brother jesse with cy young wow um it's a great looking picture like you know but i remember buying my dad a birthday uh present i got him a lee Tannehill card like one of those old school baseball cards like a really tiny ones and the the resemblance between him and my dad is really uncanny so i had no doubts that that there's a direct relation i don't know i i haven't done the the you know 23 and me or ancestry.com i don't know exactly mm-hmm. you know uh how how exactly the the lineage goes but yeah that's Tannehills and uh, and White Sox go way back. I got you know my uncles are all White Sox fans, so it's sort of like you know growing up in my family that that's what it is. You know you don't know anything else really. So yeah, little trivia for you: Cy Young never won the Cy Young. Oh really? Yeah, yeah never little, won his own award. Yeah. Little trivia for you: Did you know Lou Gehrig died of Lou Gehrig's disease? Oh man, <laughs> yeah. How'd that happen? Use that one on your friends. <laughs> How'd that happen? I, as a Sox fan, I always wonder like, well, I didn't you know have a parent that was necessarily into the White Sox. Um, you know, my mom was into it because I was into it, but I always wonder in the lean years why we stay because 2005 was great. Like it was absolutely excellent. And I kind of relate this to the bears. I was talking to somebody today. I think it was you and a chef, like the bears history is not that great. It's like a lot of, you know, it's, they've been around forever. They have a lot of hall of famers, but not a lot of championships. It's been trash since we've been around. Exactly. I mean, you're a couple years older than me, you know, so you were around for 85, but don't remember it. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I was was born. I remember. Yeah, I was. Okay. So I was born in 83. Um, so I, you know, I don't remember any of it except I think I remember going to going downtown and that was one of my first memories. I think going down, going downtown with my mom, for one of like the rallies they had, but uh, mm-hmm. other than that, like it's just you know watching the VHS copy of the Super Bowl, yeah, you know, like that. The being a Bears fan thing is rougher than being a White Sox fan yeah. thing, you and know? It's so like we've are living currently in the golden age of the White Sox, and hopefully, you know, the years prior will get erased by the years yeah. that come. Like we've seen the golden age, like we were like producing the games and going to games like during the best era of White Sox baseball, yeah, from like you know t- uh, two thousand. If you want to call it 2000 to 2010 or whatever, yeah. like that was the best era. Best, yeah, they best. went to three playoff <laughs> series in that in that uh, decade. Yeah, it's amazing. But I just like that those lean years. Like when you had a choice, people actually had a choice uh, after the the strike. Where you're talking about people, your grandfather switching from just being a Cubs Sox fan to just being a Sox fan. Those strike years drove some people over from Jerry Reinsdorf creating that strike, which they say, to being some other fan, a Brewers fan, a Cubs fan, or something like that. It's just, I think White Sox fans, and I say this not you know pandering, think about your life. Think about all the things that you've done as a White Sox fan and how much strife and how much garbage they've given you pretty much since you've been a fan. And you know what? You're mad, but you stayed a White Sox fan. We're just like diehard 
like that term diehard White Sox fan or die Sox white fan <laughs> yeah. is real because you had a lot of choices, especially nowadays with people just choosing players. But it's been a great run for us White Sox fans. And we did congregate and we'll spend more time on uh, reviewing the Sox Fest uh, activities in the uh, post game at Reggie's a little bit more. But yeah. that atmosphere that I had that that day. I was like, yes, these guys get it. They've been weathered. They've been through the battles of being bad for three years and much more, eight years, nine years, whatever it's been since they made the playoffs. And now it's time to reap the rewards of a good White Sox fan because of a good White Sox team because it's been hell. I know I've been through it. I know you've been through it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're different types of fan. I think you're more of a positive type of fan. Yeah. I, this I, is the hook, babe, by the way, for the podcast. Like, you know, this is how we're branding it right now. Yeah. Episode one with me. Um, by the way, what what episode number is this? This what? is 15. So this would be. Bill Melton? No, he's 14. He's 14, yeah. Damn it. I already did the Pauly one. So 15. <laughs> I don't know. Is that Dick Allen? I'm too young for Dick. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Dick Allen episode. Yeah, Richie Allen. Yeah, I, yeah. I have uh, I have a, cig- a cigarette in my mouth and I'm juggling baseballs right now. So it's and a cussing people out and, <laughs> exactly and, and not getting my just due. But yeah, <laughs> this is episode 15, the Tanny episode. That's what we call it, the Tanny episode. So yeah, I don't I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I'm more of a find something bad about the White Sox, expose it. You're like, you know what? They're trying hard. Let's do some things. I know you have a a streak that's kind of pessimistic, but yeah. also it's if we're doing that. I would be the more pessimistic side of this. Yeah, but as it's funny though because you know I jumped in. I'm, I'm 15 episodes into this podcast, right? So I did, I wasn't in from day one. Not that I didn't want to do it with Herb. Yeah. But uh, you know there was a little part of me that was like, ooh, what if they suck in 2020? Which ooh. they still could. But uh, but I, what I meant was, what if the money is not spent? And I was approaching this podcast like Rick Khan. I was like, well. My money's good. The money's spent. It's going to be spent because I'm either going to spend the money on the equipment to record a podcast a few times a week, or that money's going to be spent on sneakers and records. <laughs> it's like if they didn't make any moves in the offseason, I was getting nervous. Like when I woke up to see the Nomar Mazzara news, I was, I was like big time peak anxiety. It was, it, it, it was testing my, uh, my, all my limits as a White Sox fan. I was like, oh my God, they're really not going to do anything. But I can I, only imagine because that, that, <laughs> Clarion call of having Yasmani Grandal had everybody hyped. That's for what about it was. That's what it was. And so, yeah, you're going from the mountaintop and then, who? <laughs> really? This so, is what we're going to do? We're yeah. finishing off on this guy? This is a terrible offseason. I think I did a couple episodes that said that. <laughs> we got to go back and check the tape. But, yeah, it was one of those where it was the initial, okay, you thought that there was going to be a domino falling every day and they were going to get all their stuff done at the winter meetings. And, you know, when <laughs> I think I was at my most angry when the uh, first day of the winter meetings happened, and this was before uh, the Mazzara trade, but – when when Rick Hahn and there was tweets going around of Jerry Reinsdorf and Rick Hahn oh, yeah. in, in the hotel lobby uh, of the winter meeting saying, hey, this is after the uh, Marcelo Zuna rumors. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad because Jerry was like, oh, did, 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 did I have a senior moment? Did we sign uh, Marcelo Zuna? And Rick Hahn's like, no, you didn't. That didn't happen. I was like, ha, 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 quit joking and sign him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he would have been good. I don't but, I mean, he could, you know, we could have still signed him. Whatever. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, One-year deal, too. That was kind of weird. We'll, we'll probably get to things like that later on. But um, it, in terms of being a, a White Sox fan, for me, it was always – like I, I'm pretty much an all-in person. Like, you know, once, once I'm in, I'm committed and I'm going 100%. And I believe there's something for – 
loyalty and you know i don't have a problem with people if they root for a team that they that, that's not in the city i don't understand how someone could be like a true fan of a, of a team that you can't attend their games regularly but you know whatever to each his own i won't yuck your yum uh, but for me growing up it was always like putting on the the white Sox hat man it was it was cool you know the the colors were cool frank thomas was cool it yeah. was it was cool to be rooting for something different so that that w- i was able to sustain that uh, through my younger years, just because it, it was cool and different, and that's just what you did. But I mean, the 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 two thousands, the post two thousand eight uh, version of the White Sox, um, it's been a frustrating decade. So like they uh, went a whole decade without <laughs> winning one. Like they popped up on all those graphics, you know, teams that didn't go to a playoff in the in the in the twenty tens. Yeah, and I right cheer there. for two of them: the Padres <laughs> and the White Sox. And I think the Marlins were the other one. Yeah, I'm not going to be smirched here for cheering for the Padres. I, I got a chance to go to Petco a couple years ago. It's awesome. It is. <laughs> and then after they got Machado, I was like, oh, it's really awesome. But <laughs> They're cooking know. with gas out there. But I'm so glad that the White Sox are actually doing things this offseason. Um, episode three, I think it was, I had to re-gear my expectations because I wanted J.D. Martinez. At the time, it was J.D. Martinez. And I think the first episode, I took your suggestion and I'm 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 gonna get you mad right now because Starling Marte was your number one priority. I think I, it was because well yeah we'll get into that next episode. We'll get into the the, the nuts and bolts and nitty gritty of uh, of of the off season and the current state of the team. But yeah, that was that was my number one target. I'm gonna pull up my tweet for next episode on and my off season plan. And they pretty much they they pretty much nailed it from what I remember. But yeah, like especially leading up to it when it was like. J.D. Martinez would be interested in going to the White Sox, but you know, then you realize other things have to happen, and mm-hmm. you know, he they have to non-tender him, and you know, things like that. So, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in the course of an off season that you really have to be. This was an off season a lesson in patience, right? Like that, you know, players have to do their due diligence also. And I'm going to talk about Yasmani Grandal in the next episode and what I learned by going to Sox Fest. But it's there's a lot of moving parts going on here with trades and and signings that you know you really as a fan. Man, I, the whole offseason, I kept trying to say, okay, just ask me how I feel about the offseason on opening day. But at the, after the winter meetings broke and all they did was trade for Nomar Mazzara, and I don't mean to harp on him because I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure he's going to be fine, and depending on whether or not they have a, a platoon partner to go with them. But, you know, it's it's not the worst move in the world. I don't think Steel Walker was ever going to play no. for the White Sox. So, it's you know, I, at face value, it's not the worst move in the world, but it certainly didn't uh, – garner a ton of excitement at the time but it was certainly a lesson in in patience this offseason but yeah i'm looking forward to them uh, uh you know getting uh, getting going here in 2020 and if uh, you saw the sun times today they uh they had a report that the uh, the truck is all packed up and leaving for arizona so that's huge i did see that it was great to see and <laughs> great reporting oh my goodness i do that every year like oh here's the truck and it's leaving for arizona like <laughs> I always think it's like, wouldn't a plane be more economical? But, you know, whatever. It's a little hard to carry all that stuff (laughs) in a plane and such. But as you stated, we're going to get into more things in episode 16. 16, what is that? Ted Lyons, I believe. Is that retired? Yeah. I believe. I mean, it's. Good call. Look at you. My uh, recollection of all the retired numbers for the White Sox. Man, they got a lot of retired numbers. (laughs) Like I said, not a great history. Like they went from 1950, what, 1919? Until 1959, without another appearance. But you know, the Yankees were great that whole time. So yeah, but that was back in the. See, for all you for all you haters out there, that was back. Old baseball, you know, for you younger listeners, the, the way the old baseball it was dumb. playoff setup was. I mean, the Sox were a very competitive team for for a lot of years, but they're in the same 
uh, playing for the same playoff spot as the Yankees were. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like you know, win a hundred games and and you're sitting at home. You know yeah, I mean? you play a hundred and forty four <laughs> games back then, and like, hey, um, you game you came up a uh, game short of the Yankees. They're going immediately to the World Series versus the Dodgers, <laughs> right. and then you sit at home, and then those guys got to go and find another job because, you know, back in the day, they didn't pay anybody yeah. or, any real money. Or even going up in the in the early 90s in the AL West, and you got the Oakland A's. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> didn't Sox win like 90-plus games yeah. that year in 1990? Yeah, that was the first year kind of where that re- version of the rebuild broke out, you know, where they had the young stars, Robin Ventura, Jack McDowell. Alex Fernandez, and they gave the A's a run for their money that year, but they just came up a little short. So I'm so happy they got rid of that. I don't understand how people – how did you keep any baseball fans in that era? It was <laughs> just just ridiculous. And I don't know if you guys – and speaking of the truck moving down to Arizona, uh, Tanny, I don't know if you've gone to Arizona as yet. Um, not, to the, not to Glendale, not to the White Sox facility. I've gone – um, with the score to the Cubs facility, which is beautiful. Um, is. You know, they, they treat you first class. So, you know, they're, they're the, we work at the score, the flagship of the Cubs. And so you get to meet everyone. And Theo showed us around a little bit. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful facility. I'm assuming um, Sox and Dodgers facility is just as beautiful. I've heard nothing but great things. Um, we're, we're saving our trip for later in the year, but I would love to go out there one of these years. Just right down the street. Like, the Arizona Office of Tourism has spring training for you guys out there listening. I've been because when I was living in San Diego, I just went straight up. It's a five-hour drive from San Diego to Arizona. I think I drove back that day, too. It was a, I was visiting people from the score. I think it was Spiegel and Goff and Jay Zawoski and Nick Shepkowski were out there. We went out for dinner at a local place in Scottsdale. They took us from that restaurant to another restaurant in like this golf cart type of thing. And the, the the stadiums are close to each other. It's it's like um, it's not like really far. The, the ones the women the White Sox used to play in Tucson way back then. Yeah, that is far as hell. But most of the stadiums are right there in the Scottsdale, Phoenix, Glendale yeah. area. By so, design, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And so it's real close to go and see if you want to go and see the White Sox play in Glendale and then want to go to surprise and watch the Indians lose a spring training game. You can do that or talking stick, which I've heard is like the best of the bunch. I've heard that. Yeah. You can go down there. So Arizona is known for its landscapes. And if you like mountain climbing, you like hiking, you like seeing a couple of nature things like snakes and, and wolves and uh, haboobs. I think they have those out there. You can go out to Arizona, do some biking and, and they still have Chicago food out there. Don't, Get fooled. There's a bunch of Chicago transplants out in Arizona. So get your pizza on. Get that pizza they always talk. Pizza. I think it's Pizza Bianchi or something like that. Uh, Pizzeria Bianchi. It's pretty good in Phoenix area. So if you want to plan your travel to Arizona, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training is the way that you can plan your spring training trip. It's no. out, it's outstanding. If you have if you suffer from like seasonal allergies, like yeah. you go up there and it was like heaven. It was like I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff. And it's really it's you know if you have the means, I highly recommend getting out there. Um, just, this is an exciting time to do it too with the White Sox. I mean, 
I, I I could argue this. There's never been a more exciting build up to a season. So take advantage, man. Take some time off of work. It's it's just work. You know, you got a lot of vacation days. You know, what are you gonna do? Waste them all at home on staycations? Now nah, get out there. I mean, we've had a pretty mild winter. You know, hell is coming to breakfast. Oh, Go yeah. down there for some warmth, some relaxation. Go and see your people. Go and see Yohan Mankata, who a guy today was telling me he's not a top hundred player. I I saw that. Choked yeah. the hell out of this dude. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to be saying violence on this thing, but you know. I mean, Yoan Mankata, he's yeah, one of the best yeah. players in the game. He was a top 10 MVP voted out, for yeah. my man James Fegan. Thank you. Go out there, see, see players. I mean, I think when we were out there uh, at, at Cubs, I think we saw Courtney Hawkins there when he was a red, like his last stop before. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Man. So you could see you see your your player, favorite players of yesteryear. They're just anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, they most of some of those guys live down in Arizona, so they're just sleeping in their own beds. I know Paul Canerco down in the 1,600-foot square foot uh, house in Scottsdale lives down there. You can maybe see Polly K, K down there. That's right. What better thing to see Polly K after retirement, relaxed, and chilling out at a Scottsdale restaurant. So definitely go down, visit Arizona.com slash spring training. So this is the end of the episode, Tanny. So usually um, I just say a little nonsense at the end of the episode and and say goodbye until the next one. Do you want to say anything before we wrap it up? No, I'm just uh, I'm excited to be aboard, and it's going to be an exciting year for the White Sox, and I'm happy to be doing with this with, with you, my man, because we've – been through a lot of White Sox wars together and you know Herb is one of my best friends and you know we we share the common interest a lot of common interests but the White Sox being probably uh 1A um and yes. so I'm looking forward to a it's going to be a good summer as Jimmy Conway said in Goodfellas so I'm looking forward to getting this thing going and you guys who are listening right now we're going to be doing a lot during the season you know in the off season I'm not doing a lot me Tanny and I am not doing a lot I mean unless there's some breaking stuff we're not going to ever do an emergency podcast because nothing's wrong <laughs> everything is right but during the season, four or five episodes a week, we'll be ra- recapping every game that we can right here on Locked on Sox. So for Herb Lawrence and co-host Chris Tannehill, we'll see you on the next episode. Good night from Dick Allen's episode.